Box, affectionately known as PC, brings 15 plus years of experience in youth and young adult ministry. He is currently the pastor of youth and young adults at C3 Hampton. PC has become a nationally sought after mentor and speaker in the youth engagement and development arena. Pastor Chris is the author of Five Minute Gratitude, Teen Boys Devotional, Prayers for Reflection and Thanksgiving. Chris's passion for leadership has led him to become the founder and president of the Collective Youth Workers Group, a nonprofit organization that provides a hub for resources, relationship building, and rest for youth workers. Pastor Chris affectionately sums up all of his ministry efforts into two words that have become the trademark of his ministry. Let's go. Let's welcome Pastor Chris. Hallelujah. Come on, that was good for me. Now, can you help me lift up the name of Jesus in this place? Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. We're talking about the Savior of the universe. Come on, we're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're not going to wait till another Easter service to give him what he's due. But I believe there's some people who came to Ivy Baptist Church this morning that have history with Jesus. Come on, anybody know him in the room? Listen, it's graduation season, and I love sharing this around this time because as a youth pastor, I go to a whole lot of graduations, right? And I know some people in this room, wave your hand if you've been to a graduation this year. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, in every graduation, after all of the speeches and all of the boring stuff, <laughs> right, there comes this moment in every graduation where the principal says, okay, now is the time that you've all been waiting for. You didn't come here just to hear a speech. You came here to hear a name. Somebody going to catch on with me in a second. But every principal says this, y'all. It fails not. Every graduation I went to, they said, okay, now before we call these names, <laughs> let me just set the records, let me set the crowd straight. As we call these names, we need you to hold your applause, act like you got some sense, be mannerable, because if you go crazy, we might not hear the next name. But also in every graduation I've been to, as soon as Big Mama hear her grandbaby name called, y'all not rocking with your boy this morning. I believe something triggers in her mind. And she says, you don't know all the days that I spent with this one, trying to get them through middle school in four, five, six years of high school. Come on, some of us didn't get it on time. But now to get to this moment, and you're going to tell me to be quiet when my baby's name is called. One day I'm going to walk into a church and all I'm going to have to do is call the name of Jesus. And somebody who has history with him is going to say, you don't know all the nights he's kept me. You don't know all the years he's walked with me. You don't know how when I didn't have this nice wig on. Jesus was there. You don't know how when my makeup wasn't done, Jesus was there. When I couldn't pay the rent last week, I got too much history with him to hold my applause. And you know what, I, you know what else I realized at this last one I went to? 
I also realized that once a name is called, you can tell who showed up for that name by the direction of the sound. And I just need to see who the people that came in here for the name of Jesus this morning. I don't know who you are by the direction of your sound. <laughs> by where the praise is coming. I believe they came for Jesus over here. I believe they came for Jesus over here. Come on, Ivy, I need you to make some noise like you know who he is. Why, Pastor Chris, why, why? I know some of you ain't got it yet. You're still asking why. I got an answer for you. The reason why is because Mr. Principal said that if you go crazy when you hear that name, you might not hear another name. So if I interrupt the atmosphere with praise, when I hear the name of Jesus, I may not ever hear the name of cancer. I may not ever hear the name of the depression. I may not ever hear the name of sickness. Why? Because his name was enough. His name is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are saved. Somebody just shout his name real quick. Oh, come on, we can do better than that till we raise the roof off this place. Somebody shout his name. Come on, give him praise if you love him. Come on, if you love him, give him praise. Woo! I feel good in this church. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I came for nothing else but to lift up the name of Jesus. Because if it had not been for the Lord who was on their side, they wouldn't have walked across that stage. So, yeah, we thank God for them. We thank God for their parents. We thank God for the instructors. We thank God for all of them. But we know where the story really began. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for visiting us this morning. Jesus, speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. <laughs> Y'all got me too happy too quick. I got to preach still. Hallelujah. Can you shout out for one of the best pastors in the planet? Come on, shout out to your pastor and his wife, Pastor Swan, Lady Swan. Thank you so much for having me. And to one of the dopest youth pastors, youth ministers, whatever you want to call them, to walk the face of the planet. Come on, shout out to me. <laughs> now listen, I'm going to tell y'all this. I'm not saying this just because I got the mic and he invited me to come preach and all that good stuff. But y'all have one of the best. Y'all have one of the best. Y'all have one of God's hands selected. He didn't even choose this himself. He was chilling, coaching some students. And God said, I got plans for you. And I'm telling you, I have the opportunity to travel and to be around thousands of youth pastors every year. He knows he was there with me at one of them. And I'm telling you, you have something special. So treasure it. Support him. Pray for him. Walk with him. Don't let him pastor your babies alone. He wants to partner with you to disciple them. So come on, one more hand. Clap, clap, clap your hands for what God is doing through 116, through the whole team, through all the young people that serve. Listen, I got some special guests in the house today. 
Uh, number one, this young man, he's been walking with me for the last six years, really, since I got here to Hampton, and he's here still today. He's serving. He just graduated as well from James Madison University. <laughs> when I got here about six years ago, this young man, he just kept following me around. He's like, I want to serve you. I want to go when you preach. I want to do this. I want to do that. I remember the first time we went somewhere to preach, it was one person there. He was right there with me, like, all right, we go. I know he was looking like, what did I sign up for? But, uh, but even now, as he graduated from James Madison, he's going down to Georgia as well, to the University of Georgia. He's still following me, y'all. Uh, but that's uh, Dr. Xavier. <laughs> Xavier Williams, he's here. And some of my C3 students and C3 family, if you're in the house, just wave at your boy. I seen y'all. Man, it just touched my heart that y'all are here today. All right, there's a word in the house. You're here. Come on, look at this person beside you. Say, I'm glad you're here. Now smile at them real hard until it gets uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> come on, look at the other person. They hate and say, I'm really glad you're here. Now give them all your teeth, all your dentures, everything you got. Give it to them. I'm sorry, y'all. I might as well tell y'all now I'm crazy. But, uh, but I got a word from God, and I'm excited to share it with you this morning. And I don't want to be before you too long. But I definitely want to give you what God has for us this morning. Uh, I want to read to you a scripture really quick from Psalms chapter 20, verse 6 through 7. And I want to give you my title from this scripture. And then I want to walk with you through a story in the Bible that I believe if you play, pay close attention to this story, you're going to see a picture and for some, a preview of what God is about to do in your life. Let me preface this by saying, because this is my first time um, preaching here, and I love telling people this when I preach first, because I don't want you to be misunderstood about what I'm here to do. Also, shout out to my good friend, Erica Calicut, Reverend Erica. She's been my friend since I moved here, too, and she was in youth ministry here. We walked together for a while, too, so shout out to you. Um, but... Um, when God asked me, like when God called me into ministry, um, I grew up as a PK. Um, all of my dad's brothers are preachers. I've been in church all my life. Tell people I was a drug baby. They drugged me to church from the time I was an infant. <laughs> now I'm here and I'm still here. I'm glad. That's a testimony too. You know, I used to think God couldn't use me because I ain't had one of them crazy stories. You know what I'm saying? But, but I think that is an amazing story that I had parents who poured into me and kept me in the house of God. Um, but being in church all my life, I knew that I wasn't what I, I always seen. And God said, I didn't call you to be a duplicate of anything you've already seen. Since I have a specific assignment and an anointing on your life, Chris. And if you step fully in who I've created you to be and into this assignment, I'm going to use you to make an impact on the world. And that's what he's done. So I don't preach sermons. I don't have uh, three points for you and a nice story in the close. Uh, you got some great preachers in this house that can give you that. Uh, but what God called, when God called me, he told me specifically, he said, Chris, I'm not going to call you to preach sermons. I'm going to call you to make what's called prophetic announcements. Y'all hear that? Somebody say prophetic announcement. And I don't say that to be deep, but I just say that to say that what God wants to do this morning is to announce something over your life. That if you would be in a posture to receive it, 
something that was impossible for you before you walked in this room can be made possible for you when you receive that word. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So I just have an announcement to make for you this morning, and it's going to come from Psalms chapter 20, verse 6 through 7. It says, now I know that the Lord saves or protects his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I'm going to read that again. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. The word of the Lord is already blessed. I want to speak to you today from, I want to give you this announcement. And uh, once I give it to you, you can just declare it over your life. But the announcement that I want to make over you this morning is that your GPA just went up. Your GPA just went up. Somebody say, my GPA just went up. Now, I know, thank you so much, musicians. I know some of y'all are hesitant to say that because you said, I've been out of school and I ain't going back. <laughs> um, because you're correct, GPA, it's a, it's a mechanism that's used by high school, colleges, and graduate schools alike. It's a great point average. It is a number that represents your entire academic performance, but that is not the GPA I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> so when I say your GPA went up, I'm not talking about your grade point average that is indicative of your academic performance. What I am talking about is a different kind of GPA. This GPA stands for God's protection of his anointed. <laughs> Somebody say my GPA just went up. God's protection of his anointed. This GPA has nothing to do with your academic performance. This GPA has everything to do with God's performance as it relates to getting you where he needs you to be. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I want every person in this room to know, especially you that have graduated and you that are going to the next stages of your life, is that though your diploma and your degree and your certificate and all of that stuff is amazing and you need it, you need to pursue it. Hear what I'm saying? You absolutely need it for the world's system. However, there is also another system that we get to partner with. It is called the kingdom of God. And in God's kingdom, God elevates and uses those who he has anointed. So I know you may be hearing that word this morning and you say, I've heard that word a lot of times in church, Pastor Chris, make it plain. If I can make it as plain as I can to you about what the anointing is, the anointing is God's ability put on your ability, giving you the ability to do what you had not the ability to do in your own ability. <laughs> can I say it again? <laughs> The anointing is God's ability put on your ability, giving you the ability to do what you had not the ability to do in your own abilities. God, when God gets ready to anoint you, you will start doing stuff and you will start walking into stuff that you know you couldn't get yourself into, that you know you didn't qualify for. It's when you start making A's on tests that you didn't have time to study for. 
It's when God starts dropping wisdom and knowledge on you that you didn't even study. It's when you're having a conversation with someone and God is just allowing revelation and wisdom to flow out of you that you know you didn't get from yourself. Somebody say it's because I'm anointed. The anointing of God is what's been protecting you. The anointing of God is what's been keeping you. The anointing of God is what's been pushing you into your destiny. He did it for so many people in the Bible, but most notably, I love the way he did it for Moses. When Moses was born, just like you, he was born to solve a problem. Somebody say, I was born to solve a problem. <laughs> he was born to solve a problem because his people were enslaved. And at the time when Moses was conceived, the Bible says that Pharaoh put out a decree. I wasn't even supposed to go here this morning, but he says he put out a decree and he says, kill every firstborn child, throw them in the river and drown them. Because here's the thing, Pharaoh knew that God was up to something. He knew that at any moment, a generation was about to be delivered. Can I tell you that, that that is the same true for us today, that at any moment, freedom is about to hit this generation like never before. And if you can't receive it, I'm just going to prophesy it to the, to the uh, lights real quick. Hey, lights, freedom is about to hit this generation. And guess what? It's going to come through one of your babies. The problem is Satan knows that, but he doesn't know which one. So he says, since I don't know which one got the oil, kill them all. But when you got the oil, you can't kill God's anointing. You touch not my anointing. Uh, uh, when you got the oil on your life, here's what happens. The Bible says when Moses was born, his mother took some sticks and some slime. She took and she created what was called an ark. Everybody say the ark. That reminds me of the presence of God. She puts her baby in an ark. And guess what she does, y'all? After there's a decree to kill her baby and they're throwing all the other young men in the river to drown, she puts her baby in the ark, in the presence, and puts him on the same river where everybody else is drowning and he's floating. How does that happen, Pastor Chris? I'm glad you're asking. It happens because oil and water can never mix. The oil will always rise to the top. And that's the reason why you haven't drowned in what everybody else died in. You're floating because you're oily. You're not floating because you're cute and because your lashes look good this week. You're floating because the oil on your life won't let you drown in what other people are dying in. Look at somebody and say, I'm oily, I'm oily, I'm oily. I remember when I was young, my mama used to put Vaseline all over my sister's head, and she would just walk out the room oily. Somebody need to thank God for the oil that's been on your life. That's the reason why you can't be a watered-down Christian, because the oil on your life keeps snatching you out of mediocrity. It keeps snatching you from being average. You're too oily to drown like everybody else. And it's not until you get that in your spirit that you can't die like everybody else because of the assignment on your life that you'll stop walking in fear and start walking in freedom saying, hey, God got something on me and I don't care where he gonna use me. You can't kill me. 
David was anointed to be king. You wonder why somebody three times, four, five, six times his size could not kill him. A little boy like David going up against Goliath. Couldn't, Goliath could not kill him. Why? It wasn't because David was strong. Wasn't because David had his degree. It was because David had the oil. Somebody say, I'm oily. <laughs> and your GPA just went up. So I got to talk to you real quick about this story in the Bible. Y'all bored yet? All right, let's go to Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 16. I want to read this, this story to you really quick. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 16. It says, now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand, watch this, y'all, to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, watch this, it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had arrested him, he put him into prison and delivered him, hear this y'all, to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. We'll be back to it. Peter that was therefore kept in the prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter, watch this, was sleeping, bound with two chains. I don't know if that's where two chains got his name from, but it's in the Bible first. Between two soldiers and the guards were before the door, keeping the prison. Now behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him in a light, watch this, shone in the prison, struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, y'all. Then he said to the angel, uh, uh, and then the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went and followed him, and he didn't, watch this, y'all, he did not know that what was done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. What happens when God does something so crazy in your life that you don't even think it's real? Peter's standing there like, this must be just a vi I must be dreaming. When they were past the first, watch this, in the second guard post, they came to the iron gate uh, that leads to the city. Everybody say, to the city. Which opened to them of its own accord. And he went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And Peter, when he had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain. Sounds almost like the first scripture we read, that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation, ooh, that's good, of the Jewish people. And so when he had considered this, we almost there, y'all, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. As Peter knocked on the door, a girl named Rhoda, everybody say Rhoda came to answer and when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness she did not open the gate but she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate but they said to her you are beside yourself yet she kept insisting that it was so and they said no nah, it is his angel 
Ooh, y'all, y'all missing this. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep quiet, to keep silent, he declared how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Now here's the last part. Then as, he, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. What happens when what's been trying to kill you gets killed? That's how come you can't play with God's people. He went down from Judea and Caesarea and stayed there. Now, I want to walk through this story for you because I believe that there is some uh, revelation in this story that, that is very relevant to someone's life in this building today. The Bible says Herod reaches out his hand to harass the church. He starts to mess with the church. I don't know about you, but um, even in my own life, it wasn't until, because I've been in church all my life, but I hadn't been the church all my life. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. But when I decided to become part of the church and not just go to church, I realized that, um, you know, coming to church don't make your life super easy. <laughs> I don't care how long you've been in church. Life is going to steal life when it wants the life. And enemies are going to arise sometimes even more so because, watch this, before you became a part of the church, you were not on the enemy's target. But now that you've gotten serious about the things of God, that's when it seems like the enemy wants to harass you. Like he wasn't messing with you like that before you joined the choir. He wasn't messing with you and still you, was a, you were a people person. Until you start ushering. <laughs> now everybody and everything get on your nerves. <laughs> so he starts to harass the church. Right? And the Bible says he kills one of them. And because he saw, hear this y'all, how much killing that person pleased the Jews. The folks that you thought were supposed to be on your team, happy about your demise. That's how come you got to be careful who you share your business with. Because everybody clapping at your graduation ain't really clapping at your promotion. <laughs> the same way they will celebrate you coming up is the same way they'll celebrate you going down. Jesus, Jesus knew. They were crying Hosanna one day, and then they were like, crucify him the next day. It's people, right? And he saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, so he went further. He said, okay, since I know they like seeing us mess with the followers of Christ, let's do a little bit more. So the Bible says that he gets Peter now. He arrests Peter, and he puts Peter in jail. Now, here's the thing, y'all. Uh, uh, when he puts Peter in jail, the Bible says it was during the days of unleavened bread. See, whenever Satan starts acting up in your life, you got to start asking yourself some questions, right? First, you got to ask him, why is Satan acting up? Because he saw that there's some people who will celebrate your downfall, and that if you actually go down, it's not just a win for him for you, 
but he's also got some other people waiting on you to fall too that he can pull further into his plan if you give up. So you got to ask yourself why. Then the other thing you got to ask yourself is when. Like how come Satan always messes with me during important times of my life? I used to ask myself that question because it seemed like, especially when I got to my high school graduation, there were some people who didn't drop out of school until the last week. And I'm like, you're going to wait till graduation season? To give up? Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so you got to ask yourself when, because the Bible says that he arrests him and he puts him in prison, but he doesn't kill him yet because it's, it's during the days of unleavened bread, and he, he decides that, hey, I'm going to bring him out of prison and kill him after the Passover. Why is that uh, so important? It is important because the days of unleavened bread, uh, they were symbolic of a time where the, uh, the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God was providing for them. First, they had to eat this bread. Uh, when they first came out of sla slavery, they had a limited supply of bread. They had to use what they had to get where God was leading them, right? It was a struggle time for them. Uh, in other words, the reason why the bread was unleavened was because they didn't have time to wait for it to rise before they had to get out of slavery. This is going to make sense for somebody in a minute because there's some people right now who don't have time to wait for everything to be cute for you to start moving and doing what God has called you to do. And you said, yeah, this is a season of struggle for me. Yeah, I don't have my bread looks like Peter and it doesn't look like Texas Roadhouse yet. But if I just trust God for a little bit, my bread going to rise someday. Uh, uh, but it was a reminder for them how God sustained them when they didn't have a lot. So he says, even though I want to mess with them, I don't want to mess with them in a season where they're remembering what the Lord has done for them. <laughs> I wish I had somebody in here. He says, I don't want to mess with them during this time because it's too close for them to remember that the same God who brought them out of Egypt could deliver them from my hand if they called on him. So you got to ask yourself when. Why he wait to attack you after church? He waits till you get this good word, and then as soon as you get home, you get a phone call that uproot everything you heard in church. <laughs> and then you got to ask yourself why, and you got to ask yourself when, but then you also got to ask yourself this. You got to ask yourself how. Somebody say how. Uh, uh, if you look at how Satan attacks you, you will understand a whole lot more about you than you will about him. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The Bible says this. Watch this. The Bible says when he arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. Four squads of soldiers. You, do you know what that means? A squad is about four. He gave him to four sets of four soldiers. One man. 16 soldiers. Why you need all them soldiers? For one man. Unless you know that this one man ain't by himself. <laughs> that this one man, if he calls on one name, <laughs> even your 16 soldiers won't be able to hold him down. Somebody ought to shout the name just one more time. <laughs> he said... 16 soldiers, y'all. 
Then they gave him two chains. <laughs> Not just one, but the Bible says they put two chains on him. And the Bible says that he was put in the inner prison. He was kept in prison. But even while he's in prison, and I want y'all to hear this, but we're going to revisit it in a second. It says, while he was kept in prison, in verse 5, that constant prayer uh, was offered to God for him by the church. But as Herod was about to bring him out that night, watch this. Sixteen soldiers, rotating shifts, two chains, bars, all that good stuff. And Peter was sleeping. <laughs> Woo, I'm about to help somebody get some rest tonight. <laughs> Peter, on the lack, what could be the last night of his life, you would think Peter would be up, worried, stressed, going crazy. Like, they're going to kill me today, y'all. The Bible says Peter was sleeping. I learned something from Peter, and I use this philosophy in my life. The Bible says that God never sleeps or slumbers. So it ain't no use in both of us staying up all night worrying about my situation. I'm going to sleep. If they come evict me tomorrow, they're going to do it. But I'm not going to stay up all night when God is up working on my behalf. The scripture says he ain't going to sleep. Why both of us need to be up? Can you look at somebody and say, go to sleep? Go to sleep. Go to sleep tonight. Get some rest tonight. Stop worrying about it. The truth of the matter is you were worrying about it last night. And look at you still in church inhaling and exhaling. Still got the activity of your limbs. Still woke up with your right mind. Anybody get excited about those testimonies anymore? That you got food in your table, clothes on your back, shoes on my feet. Don't got it all. But I'm going to sleep. He was asleep, y'all. Check your posture when you are going through adversity. Ain't no use of you to pray and worry. Do one and go to sleep. Either way, if you're going to worry, go to sleep too. <laughs> if you need help, I got some pills. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> the Bible says... That as he's sleeping, y'all, and this is what I love about God, and this is why I serve God no matter what context I'm in and no matter what uh, predicament I'm in, no matter what situation I'm in, I've learned to bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually be in my mouth because I've learned this about God. I learned that we, watch this, y'all, we serve a God who specializes in turning prisons to platforms. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying. We serve a God who specializes, y'all, in turning prisons into platforms. God will use the very thing that looks like a prison to you to be the platform to show the world his goodness and his grace over your life. How do you know? Because God is extra like that. God is all about the story. He loves to make a good story out of something to show you how he'll show. The Bible says he's asleep. Right? And the scripture says the first thing that happens, I want y'all to see this. I'm telling y'all God turns his prison into a platform. The Bible says an angel shows up, stands by him, and they hear this, y'all. A light shone in the prison. 
This is what it says in verse 7. Y'all following me so far? It says, a light shone in the prison. Imagine a dark prison. All of a sudden, an angel pops up. Stage hands. And then, boom, spotlight comes into the prison. God is about to do his work. I said, God, even if the light showed up in the prison like that, why was it so important to put it in the scripture? He said, Chris, because I never waste space and never waste time. The light is important because what I want to show you is that uh, where I want you to get your shine on is not outside the prison. Y'all need to hear this. <clears throat> Some folks need to see how Christians act in the prison. <laughs> so here it is. The light shows in the bad situation. And it reminded me of a scripture uh, uh, because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far and exceeding more eternal weight of glory. Hear what I'm saying? I asked God, I said, God, I've never been in affliction and got up and said, ooh, that was light. So which light affliction are you talking about? Because <laughs> ain't none of mine been light, right? He said, Chris, I'm not talking about the feeling of your affliction. He says, I'm talking about the function of your affliction. It's not about how your affliction feels to you. It's about how God is using your affliction to function for you to release glory into your life. How does that work, Pastor Chris? When you think about light, watch this, light is revelatory in its nature. If we were to turn off all the lights in this room, all of us would seemingly disappear. And if you weren't that smart, you would think that the room is empty. You would think it's empty because you can't see nothing. But if we turn the light on, the light doesn't produce us in the room. It reveals to us that we've been in the room the whole time. So why does God use light in our affliction? He uses light in our affliction to show us and to reveal to us some stuff that's been inside of us that we didn't know existed yet. What you mean, Pastor Chris? You didn't know you could pray the way you pray until affliction came. You didn't know you had a worshiper inside of you until affliction came. You didn't know you could preach the word of God until you walked through something and it revealed into you something, watch this, that's been there all along. You just didn't know it yet. And so God uses affliction to turn the light on to show you who you really are. Because some of y'all didn't know who you were until that thing walked out on you. Some of y'all didn't know your worth until somebody messed over you and God turned the light on. And you start telling yourself stuff like, I could do bad all by my, as a matter of fact, I could do good by myself too. Somebody say light affliction. Somebody say, get your shine on. The light shines in the prison. His stagehand is standing there. He says, all right now, <laughs> it's about to go down. He says, get up. I know you've been asleep. It's time to wake up now. God did his thing. Get up. Tie your sandals. Put your clothes on. It's time to move. 
Peter, without asking any questions, like I would have been, like, how? How are we supposed to get out this gate? <laughs> how are we supposed to get past 16 soldiers? Right? And so Peter, he just gets up and he starts walking. The Bible says, watch this, y'all, because it's not that difficult. The Bible says that when the angel tells him to arise, he simply got up. And when he got up, chains start falling off his hands. <laughs> for some of you, you just need to stop sitting in the same stuff you've been in for years. And as soon as you make a, a, a decision in your mind that I'm getting up from here, that I'm not going to sit here too much longer, that I'm not going to sit in the abuse, that I'm not going to sit in the addiction, that I'm not going to sit in the shame, that I'm not going to sit in the depression. And as soon as you stand up, I hear the chains falling in this place. Can I get some people that say I've been in the same place for too long to just jump up on your feet and prophetically see chains start falling off your hands and shackles start being removed from your feet? Everybody say he got up so I can get up again. <laughs> so he got up. Y'all can sit down, though. <laughs> but it wasn't enough, y'all, for him to just get up. When he got up, he got his freedom. But when he started walking, he started gaining territory. Oh, man. When he got up, he was free. Some of y'all have been saved for a long time. My question is, how much territory have you been moving into? Or did you get up and let the memory of what you got up from make you think you can't make no steps? He gets up and he starts going. The, the angel tells him, he says, follow me. Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and he followed him. Watch this. The Bible says he did not know what was done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. What God is doing in his life is so powerful that he thinks he's in a movie. <laughs> oh, I wish I had some people with faith in this room that what God is about to do in your life is going to be so supernatural, so powerful that nobody with their natural eyes is going to be able to look at you and say, that's real life. But they're going to look at you and say, they must be in a movie. Why is that, Pastor Chris? Because when you have a movie, you understand, you allow, watch this, when you are, in a, when you are watching a movie, you give permission for stuff that don't make sense to happen. All of us know, ain't nobody named no Clark Clint going into nobody's telephone booth, taking off his glasses, getting a cape, and flying in the air. But we let it happen because we understand <laughs> we're in a movie. Which means that the supernatural is not happening because of uh, natural things. The supernatural is happening because there's some stuff behind the scenes that's making a man fly when you thought he couldn't. There's some stuff behind the scenes that's causing him to have the appearance that sometimes he's doing better than he really is. 
Somebody say it's a movie. It's going to make more sense in a minute. And so he starts moving. I got to hurry up. Y'all bored yet? says he starts moving, and the Bible says to this, watch this. Uh, oh, I love this part. This is for my graduates right here, for real, for real. He says, when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate, hear this, y'all, that leads to the city. Everybody say the city. Which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. Hear me. When he gets free, Meech, the first thing he does, he doesn't go to church. He goes to the city. Because some of us in here, yes, God is going to use you in church, but not everybody is called to hold this and be up here. And the same God that can use me up here will open doors for you that lead to the city. <laughs> Because the truth of the matter is, the people who really need to hear how God brought you out of that prison are not the ones who are in church. It's the ones in prison. <laughs> it's the ones in the streets. It's the ones. That's why you got to pray that prayer that's on Pastor Me's shirt. Lord, protect me while I'm in the streets. I'm okay when I'm in church sometimes, <laughs> but it's when I get in them streets that I need your anointing to flow on my life so I don't miss an opportunity to let your glory be revealed through me. But here, here's why I say that, y'all. Because, you know, I'm not one of those people who dog the church, but sometimes let's be real. Let's, let's be real. Let's be real sometimes. When you get around folks who are conditioned for church things, they give you church answers and church philosophy <laughs> that you can't even use in the streets. And then they try to be real cute with it as if you don't see, you don't peep game what's really going on. I'm telling y'all, it happened. The Bible says that after he goes down the street, then, because I told y'all earlier that while he's in prison, the church people are praying for him the whole time. Huh? A prayer gathering is going on on his behalf. He goes down the street. He's good. Then he goes to the house where the prayer gathering is. The Bible says he knocks on the door. Hey, I'm here. What y'all been praying for is knocking at your door. Open the door. There's a girl named Rhoda who comes to the door while everybody else is still praying. She must have just been a little bit hood. She's like, I see what the door. <laughs> she comes. She hears his voice. She says, oh, my God, who we talking to? <laughs> Peter is at the door. She goes back in, y'all. Hear this. She tells the church people, hey, Peter is at the door. They said, girl, you are beside yourself. <laughs> she said, the Bible says, no, she insisted. No, I'm trying to tell y'all. Peter, who we are praying, you're, you're actually praying for him right now. He's at the door. You know what they said? It must be his angel. Cute way of saying, it must be his ghost. My question is, why are you praying for something you already think is dead? 
you're praying for the freedom of somebody and expecting their ghost to show up at the door, what you really praying for? That's how come you got to be careful who your prayer partner is in this season. Because just because they're using words don't mean they're using their heart or their belief or that they really got faith that God is going to do the amazing in your life. So here's what happens. She, she convinced them to open the door. As soon as they open the door, y'all, I told y'all this is a movie, right? As soon as they open the door, they go crazy. Oh, God, you did it again. It's, Peter says, shh. The Bible says he motions to them to be silent. Why? <laughs> because in the movie, you have these things that are called main characters. But also in every movie, you have these things that are called extras. <laughs> I'm going to teach you something about how your life is about to look. Extras are not supposed to have speaking parts. Extras are just in your scene to make it look good. <laughs> Extras are just in your scene so that you can tell them what God has done for you. But the reason why you don't want an extra talking is because the extra doesn't have the same type of relationship with the director as the main character do. And God is directing this movie of your life. And you can't afford to have extras who don't have a relationship with your director to know what the scene is going to look like. Because the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. Your scene has already been written. Your script has already been written. But you keep letting extras... Rewrite the script. God already said you was going to that school. Then you talk to an extra, but you know that might be too much for you. You don't really want to do that. Extras. Some people in your phone right now, you need to change their name to extra. When they call you, just send them the voicemail and leave a nice voicemail with an update on where you are in your life. But you're not going to speak into what God is doing in my life. Started making me think stuff. Knowing I heard from the director. <laughs> I'm sorry if anybody lost friends this morning in church. You might be an extra. The Bible says that. And I'm finishing. The Bible says that. Tells them, be quiet. Shh. Stop talking. I'll tell you what God has done. And the Bible says he begins to tell them. Watch this how God had delivered him, how God raised his GPA, his protection of his anointing, how God delivered him, watch this, not just from the hand of Herod, but from the expectation of the Jewish people. God is about to deliver you not just physically from some stuff that's been holding you down, but this morning, God is about to deliver you from the expectation of some people who are closest to you. They never expected you to get free. They never expected you to go to college. They never expected you to get the degree. They never expected you to finish high school. They never expected you to graduate kindergarten. But I came to declare to you this morning that God is getting ready to deliver you from the expectation of people who've been shortchanging you, who've been looking at you and counting you out because of your 
appearance and because of the lack of your resources and because of the lack of your relationships. God says, when I put my anointing on your life, it is an anointing to accelerate you right to where I need you to be. And I don't care what anybody has to say. Even if the school deny you, apply again. Even if the job deny you, apply again. Even if the scholarship falls through, apply again. Because God says, this time, my anointing They approve your scholarship sometimes largely based on your GPA. And I came to declare to you that this next season of your life has been marked approved because your GPA just went up. God's protection of his anointing just kicked in another gear. And God says, get ready to walk through doors that will open on their own accord. It says doors. Somebody shout doors. Somebody shout doors. Doors are opening on their own accord. <laughs> without your effort. Without your work. I'm glad you studied. I'm glad you got the A's, the B's, the C's, and if you would like me, a couple D's on them. <laughs> there is nothing that I am currently doing in my life right now that I can justify through my own strength. <clears throat> Promotion doesn't come from the left or the right. Promotion comes from God. <laughs> and while you're competing other students and other people beside you God is saying you're competing with the wrong thing you need to wrestle with that thing that's trying to block the flow of my anointing on your life because when the oil flows whew, you slip through stuff that people couldn't get through we started declaring this thing me and Xavier last year we started declaring over the summertime, and a part of our declaration was that doors, both domestically and internationally, are opening on our behalf. <laughs> Within about a month or two of us declaring that, we both got international calls. He got invited for free to go to Africa to do some work. I got invited for free to go to Israel. During my birthday, I was like, Jesus, you really, like, you really that guy. I'm on the Sea of Galilee on my birthday. <laughs> Didn't pay a dime to stay consistent in who God called me to be. In a couple of weeks, I fly across the world going to Indonesia. Didn't pay a dime. Going to preach the kids in Bali, knowing I'm going to be swimming too. <laughs> protection of his anointing, God's provision for his anointing, God's placement for his anointing, God's purpose for his anointing. <laughs> I'm telling you, your GPA is going up while you're sitting in your seat. That as much as you receive it by faith, God says, I'm increasing 
that thing inside of you that's going to qualify you for the next level. Just to increase your faith, I got a phone call two years ago. I think it was almost now. Almost two years ago, not, not quite. And the person who struggled, I struggled in school, y'all. I'm trying to tell y'all, my fifth grade report card, I had two Fs and the rest Ds. And there was a song out that said, throw some Ds on it. And that's what I was telling my mom I was trying to do. <laughs> I struggled. <laughs> I struggled, y'all. A year and a half ago, this... I don't even know where they came from. On their on the court, publishing company hit me up and said, we want to give you an opportunity. We want to pay you to write a devotional for teenage guys. The place where I struggled the most, I'm now writing to someone in that stage, telling them that that D doesn't define them. telling them that if you just apply pressure a little bit and you trust God, one day you'll be a whole author and don't even know how you got the chance to do this. And now I got books going out to young men, uh, uh, teenage guys all over the world. And they don't realize when I was their age, had no clue God could use me to do that. I got some here today, so make sure y'all support. Praise God. But if you got a young man in your life ages 12 through 19, I challenge you to get one. I want, I want to give them all out today. I want all of them gone. It's only $15. I promise you it's 150 devotions that God let me write. It's almost six months worth of devotional content that you can put inside your young person to help them see God's plan for their lives through gratitude. Same way God did it for me, I believe he's releasing high GPAs for his anointing. So I want to agree with you this morning. If it's you and you said, Pastor Chris, I heard you this morning and I receive God's increase of my GPA. I just want you to rest on your feet with me. I just want you to rest on your feet on your feet with me. I just want to pray for you. And I want to do something special for the high school graduates. If, if I can, can we pray for the high school graduates? I have some oil that I bought back from Israel. And I literally got this oil at the site where Jesus got up from the grave. And I believe like scripture said, the same power, and it's not in this oil. This is just a tool that came from a really, really amazing place. But that's not what it is. It's what this symbolizes. The oil is symbolic of the anointed. Before Jesus went in the grave, he was anointed. That's why he couldn't stay there, because the anointing will cause you to rise. So I know at least for my high school graduates, I want to just agree with you, pastors, uh, Pastor Meech, Pastor, y'all can help me with this. And I just want you to get some of this oil on your life. I just want you to get some of this oil. So if that's you, you can meet me down here at front, up front. I just want to 
agree with you. Come on, clap your hands for them as they're coming. God's anointing is about to take you places and cause you to do things that you may have never imagined possible. You can face me really quick. I just want to agree with God over your life. I'm just going to anoint you really quick, and then we're going to stretch our hands and pray for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's sing that. All my life. All my life you have been faithful. Come on, somebody with testimony, sing it. ask y'all just in a posture of receiving can you lift your hands and y'all stretch your hands towards them as they lift their hands towards God come on lift them up as high as you can as a sign of surrender my prayer is that you will live a life surrendered to the call of God on your life and that just as you're wearing these robes that the power of God the grace of God is going to cover you it's going to protect you when you go to your campuses when you go to your jobs I pray that no shooting will ever come near you. I declare in Jesus' name that your whole university is going to get saved because you walked the, the grounds. I declare in Jesus' name that even gifts and anointings, I declare that the protection of God is about to fall on you like never before. I declare that the gifts of God is about to emerge in your life. And I declare in Jesus' name that freedom will hit your life. Every last one of you in here, the freedom to be absolutely who God called you to be in your lane, in your street, in your dominion, whatever it is God has called you to do, whether it's inside or outside the church. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. You are God's called. You are the chosen ones. You are the called out ones. The ones who have been sanctified to be used for a purpose. And I declare in Jesus name that, that doors are about to open for you like never before. I declare in Jesus name that what you've accomplished so far will pale in comparison to what God is about to use you to do in the next few years of your life. I declare in Jesus name that businessmen, lawyers, preachers, teachers and evangelists and, and athletes and I declare that doctors, I declare in Jesus name that the emerging of God's gift on your life is about to arise like never before. I declare that for every last one of these high school seniors that your bloodline will never want another day in their life. That God is going to use you to break every Every generational curse and release every generational blessing I declare it to be so in Jesus name somebody ought to celebrate what God is doing in this place if these young people have any family members in the room I just want you to come embrace them 
because you are about to hug a new baby. You're about to hug somebody that God is about to use to shift your bloodline. You're about to hug somebody that God is about to use. You're about to hug somebody that God is about to use to make an impact on this world. Come on, just stand with them and pray for them. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, receive the love of your parents. Receive the love of your family. Receive the covering of your family. I declare in Jesus' name that if there be any discord in families, both on this altar and in this room, we come against it now in the power of the blood of Jesus. Break it now in Jesus' name. sing with every breath with every breath that I am able come on sing Clap your hands all over this place if you love God. Come on. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, he's working in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Chris Cox. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's bless the Lord for an incredible word. Pastor, don't go nowhere real quick. Uh, Meech, uh, our associate ministers, come on up real quick. We want to pray a hand of protection for him as he transitions uh, to Atlanta again for his next assignment in this season. And we are proud of you. We thank God for you imparting so much into the life of our young people. Stretch your hands to him, please. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for what you have done in Pastor Chris's life. We thank you for what he has departed to us today, God, and we pray, first of all, that you would restore him 100-fold for everything that he gave to us today. God, as he is moving on to his next assignment, we pray for even greater things that you would use him for your glory. We pray, God, for even more youth and young adults to be saved under his ministry, that, God, the greatest and the best is still yet to come. So thank you, God, for what you're going to do in his life. And we count it done in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Young people, y'all turn this way. Y'all turn this way because we're going to hug on y'all. We're going to uh, do our benediction now real quick. Uh, don't forget Pastor Chris has some product outside in the foyer. Please support him. And if some of y'all want to come and greet these graduates as well, we want you to do that also. This has been a great Youth and Young Adult Sunday. Amen. Now, God, may your grace, your peace, and your power keep and sustain us all in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen, amen. and thank God. God bless you. Come on and greet some of these graduates.
Okay. Uh, college grad Welcome back. We thank you again for worshiping with us this morning. And we hope that something was said, something was done, or a song was sung that helps your spirit be better prepared for your week. Remember, we stand on those three things, love, grow, and serve. And prayerfully, that was illustrated today in our service. If you want to know more of who Ivy is, download our Ivy app, follow us on social media, or go to our website. Again, we thank you, and we pray that you have a blessed week. Love, grow, and serve. If you are going on the Norfolk Fellowship Cruise in August, remember to make a payment. See Sister Lisa Jones. Join us on Wednesday for Bible study, Kingdom Rests, noon and 7 p.m. Join us on Zoom ID 757-244-0000 or dial in 312-626-6799. We are hiring for part-time member relations assistant. Please visit our website for requirements and deadline for this position. Calling all men tomorrow, June 26 at 7 p.m. in the Family Life Center will be our halftime worship experience. Huddle up and get the plays for the last half of the year. Get your focus on kingdom. July is Selah month. Remember to rest, spend quality time with God and family, and limit all ministry activities. We are at the halfway point of the year. Recharge. No Bible study. Keep reading the Bible plan. Remember, work out Sundays in July. Dress comfortable and let's stay healthy. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000. And all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're gonna do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community. Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Sunday transportation is available. If you need a ride, please call the church office at 757-244-8165 by 4 p.m. on Thursdays. Area coverage 